Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1101. The more you learn, the more you will realize you have to learn. So be humble as you approach a career in motorsport. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Tanner Faust. Hey, Tanner, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I absolutely am. Thanks, Mark, for having me. You're welcome. Tanner Faust is a multi-talented driver known for his supreme car control and proven track record of podium finishes, national championships, and world records. He's a three-time U.S. Rallycross champion, a four-time X Games gold winner, and a two-time Formula Drift champion. He's had multiple world records, including his incredible Hot Wheels double loop dare and his indoor speed record for TV's Top Gear, setting a distant jump record with a Hot Wheels ramp-to-ramp leap of, get a hold of this, 332 feet. That's like jumping 332 feet. It's like jumping over my house three times. It's incredible. Tanner is the first American driver to win a round of the European Rallycross Championships, and he's a dominant driver in the Rallycross here in the USA. He's competed in Open Wheel, the Pikes Peak Hill Climb, Score Baja, and numerous other racing ventures. And no doubt you've seen him on History Channel's Top Gear USA as their on-camera host, and he's completed many stunts for various films, TV shows, and commercials. Here is a guy that is having fun behind the wheel. So Tanner, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion for driving cars really fast? Well, I mean, hearing you say all that stuff, man, what a fun ride. Yes. It's been a really awesome ride. uh, Sometimes you don't uh, get a chance in motorsports to really kind of look back and and take a deep breath and recognize all the fun that you've had because you're always focused on the next weekend. But um, a lot of fun stuff there. You know, I I definitely came into motorsports in a a fairly non-traditional way through a pre-med program at college. And I was studying to be a, a doctor like my grandfather and my father. And uh, at some point, that plan derailed and uh, found myself getting addicted to the whole world of motorsport. I've been able to do a lot of fun stuff that you just mentioned. So I'm very, very thankful to be here and very thankful to have done all that fun stuff. Well, no kidding. I didn't know that about you. That is very cool. Pre-med, med school. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I knew you were a sharp guy. You, you can't do the kind of stuff that you do without being a sharp guy. But that is a really cool little history lesson here. But before we get into uh, my first question, how on earth do you get derailed from medical school to racing? I started out school in uh, Boulder, Colorado in aerospace engineering. You know, I wanted to be that guy that was holding the the wand with the smoke coming out of the end of it and was like <laughs> looking at vortices over years of cars and designing stuff. I, I just thought that's what, you know, engineers did in the automotive world. And I learned pretty quickly that those jobs uh, were a little bit trickier than that to get into. And I ended up uh, essentially taking some time off college and skiing for a little while. That was my other passion was skiing. And I never thought of motorsport as a job that I could actually get. You know, I think there are millions of people out there that love racing, love the idea of driving cars, even consider themselves a, a handy driver or at least willing to learn, but never think uh there being a possibility that they could make a living racing and driving cars. 
And so I was in that same boat and I, I started working for an inventor in college who invented amusement rides and just sort of got the entrepreneurial bug and started to get inquisitive about what the business of motorsport was and how I could maybe make baby steps towards, you know, making a living, I guess, getting other people to pay for my fun kind yeah, of a thing. Sure. You know, so there's obviously some being in the right place at the right time along the way. But most of it is just being willing to learn and having enough passion that it never gets old. Yeah, and, I, yeah you know, I love persistent. the story. Well, and being persistent. There you go. Never giving up. And I love this story because there is a huge aspect to the business side of racing. A lot of people look at racing as very glamorous. Jump in the car, drive, jump out, kiss the girl with the wreath, uh, drink the champagne and go party. And maybe maybe it was hey, back. In, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe it was back in the days of James Hunt and so forth. But uh I think those days are long gone. So I love this. I love everything about what you're doing. And we're going to learn a lot more about you as we continue into this journey that is Tanner Faust. But first, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that has meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires, in your case, smoking here on cars. Yeah. So Tanner, take the wheel. Boy, a mantra. For me, I guess, uh, you know, I have not... Uh come up with one before talking to you, Mark. I'm guilty. I'm okay. going to say I'm guilty of that. Okay. I will say that there's a lot to be said about this is boring, but being trustworthy in the mm. car. Yeah. You know, a lot of people will come out and, you know, the, the one lesson that I've learned over and over again is that the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Mm. So I think that is a critical thing in driving to recognize that the more you learn, the more you will realize you have to learn. So be humble as you approach a career in motorsport. So out of all that, what did you get? Did you get be humble? <laughs> I, I did. I did. And and to always be learning. That's the other key thing I heard. But I love this concept. And I want to touch on this a little more trustworthy behind the wheel, because uh, that could go a lot of different ways of trusting the car, trusting the team that prepared the car, trusting yourself, your instincts, trusting the track. Tell me a little bit more about your concept behind trusting the ride, trusting the vehicle. As, as you can imagine, we, there's, there are a lot of people that, that, that see, like you said, motorsport as this great job to get into and they want to get into it. So they ask you how to do it. And, and one of the great sports I was involved in, which in the world of motorsport is not that respected, but it is a great platform for somebody to become a race car driver, I think, is drifting. Ah, yeah. And in drifting, you know, there are, the, it's, there are these test days. There are a lot of people watching these events. And there's the guy that comes out and, and hits the cones and spins and eventually gets better and better and eventually is really good. And then there's the guy that kind of starts off a bit easy and never really goes 11 tenths, pushes their own limits at, at a measurable pace, never hits the cones, really hardly ever spins out and eventually gets good. Now, those two drivers can have equal ability at the end of, say, two years. But the one that started off within their capabilities will always have more sponsors. Mm. And that's because you can just rely, you can bank on that person. And when somebody gives you a sponsorship in motorsport, they're really trusting you with their reputation. Yeah. And so you have to be trustworthy and you have to be somebody that somebody can basically risk part of their career in order to, you know, be able to garner some of those sponsorships. And that's, yeah. you see it off the track a lot, but even on the track, if you're kind of the reliable guy that's going to get the job done, then you know, word gets around about that, not just with mechanics and things like that, but also with sponsors. And that's critical. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I like the way you put that. They're putting their trust, their business in your hands to represent that. It's it's not unlike 
uh, having a cable company and you call and you get a really bad operator and all of a sudden that cable company is horrible. The whole company is just horrible because of that one person who mistreated you. So yeah, absolutely imperative. Well, let's share a story, if you would, that instigated your personal passion for cars. I'd love for you to go back in time and talk about a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were a car guy, that you wanted to be a race car driver. Well, I remember the first time I started paying attention to cars. And I remember pretty vividly, it was, I was five years old. Um, my dad had this yellow 912E, which... Oh, uh, yeah, rare car. Yeah, which I have rescued from him. We were going from Colorado Boulevard to Hamden Avenue in Denver. It's a right-hand sweeping turn near a golf course there. And I, I just remember going around the corner, hearing the tires squeal. And it was the first time I've heard, you know, had ever heard the tires scream like that and you know, looked up at him like I thought maybe something was wrong and, you know, said, well, maybe there's a, the tires are a little low or something like that. It was the first time I'd ever been in the car with him when he drove it, you know, drove it in anger. And it was, um, it was an awesome experience. And I begged him to do it again, uh, you know, from then on. But, but more importantly, I paid attention from then on. I paid attention to every shift, every, you know, what he did with the pedals, every other car on the road. I started becoming a fan of certain types of cars. I, of course, became a Porsche fan, you know, from that, partly from that experience. And that, and I became a student of driving at that moment. And so I've been a student of driving ever since. Every single race weekend, I learned something. And I'm always better than I was the day before. Yeah, I, I really crave learning more about things I'm passionate about and you know, driving being front and center. Absolutely. You brought back a memory. I had a, a 74 911S, my first Porsche ever. My daughter was, oh, was very wow. young. She was about four or five years old. And I had a little car seat that I'd rigged up to fit in that car so I could buckle her in. And I was driving a little spirited one day and made the tires kind of scream. And she said, Dad, what was that? And I said, oh, the tires were just singing to us. Well, we got home. And the first thing she said when she waddled into the house, hey, Mom, Dad made the car sing to us. And my wife looked at me and said, what does that mean? And I said, oh, oh, nothing. He goes, no, he said the tires were singing to us. Well, needless to say, Tanner, I got in a little trouble for that. I should not have been going that fast with her in the car. But uh, you, it's funny. It's my dad's first instinct to make up some story also about how the tires were low. So oh, yeah. Get in oh, yeah. Us dads, we, we know when we're done something wrong with the kids. Well, let's take a look at the many roads you've driven down or talk about a big challenge or even a big failure you face because you have chosen a career that is fraught with ups and downs, highs and lows. You could be a champion. One weekend and the loser the next. So walk us through one of those great learning experiences of challenge or failure and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career. Well, I feel like I've been on that roller coaster ride several times. And, you know, changing disciplines from off-road to road racing and drifting, rally, rallycross. You know, there's a, there's a lot of roller coasters there in learning. But the most recent one was in rallycross, I had pretty much worked with a few people to bring the sport to the U.S. and had a good car and good team and, and was winning events. And then uh, the, the sport evolved and it went to a radial tire. If you can believe Rallycross now and most of the world runs on biased by tire still. Um, the radial tire requires a completely different driving technique, especially with a four-wheel drive car with very aggressively locking differentials that really had to drive completely straight in and completely under the limit of the car and relying on lateral grip rather than what bias ply tires would get at, which is only braking and accelerating. Where I came from a place where you could really push the car, I came from you know, drifting and rally gravel, stuff like that. 
and you could really push the car, I really had to tone it all back and relearn the drive, really, I felt. And I was when I teamed up with Scott Speed, who had come from Formula One and from NASCAR and was just, he, I think he's the most disciplined driver I have ever met. Yeah. And I really had to go to school on that. And it was something where James Jobs or completely, and it doesn't sound like much because it still sounds like you have a steering wheel and pedals. It must not be that different. But in my world, it was doing a 180 in how you approach every corner, every track. That was a struggle for a season. You know, rather than changing jobs and becoming a pizza delivery guy, I just <laughs> yeah. decided to figure out how to drive differently. Yeah. And it's been incredibly beneficial. It's made me much faster as a road course driver. It's it's uh, made the last four years or so uh, really, you know, being uh, winning events and, and getting back on top. Uh, and uh, so it, it feels more of a triumph to basically start down the road of getting past and being very mediocre and coming back to the top than, you know, getting into the industry in the first place. Yeah, that's a really interesting story because for people who have not been on a racetrack or maybe don't study racing a lot, they don't realize the importance of tires and and the huge difference they make. Even pressures of same kind of tires you're driven, but you've shared a very interesting story. And of course, Scott Speed was a guest here on Cars. Yeah, he was a guest number 585, I believe, um, when he was the defending uh, champion for Global Rallycross. Uh, awesome guy, as you know, because you've driven with him, worked with him. Just a wonderful guy to have on the show here. Uh, nice to have his uh, other part here on the show today. But that's a really interesting story. And uh, why did they switch to the different tires? What was the reasoning behind that? Um, I think part of the idea was that the lap times were going to be faster, which sounds good on paper. It looks a lot less interesting when the cars aren't sliding around everywhere. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, to when tires come in as a series, a potential series sponsor, sometimes it's a, a hard bit of bait for the organizers to not buy that oh yeah of course so they I write the was, big checks uh, yeah so i think it was pretty money motivated in some cases but fundamentally uh with rally cross one of the things uh, one of the, the staples in the sport that we're finding is the bias by tire acts kind of like an equalizer between the cars ah. um, because because they have such little lateral grip meaning you can't really roll speed you can't really set the suspension up and to maximize the tire that much because the tires wrap around the wheel like a balloon yeah. kind of a thing. Even if you get hit and you have an alignment problem or, or something, you can still click off almost the exact same lap time oh, wow. because the tires just move around so much on the wheel. Yeah, very um, interesting. Uh, but it means that a lot of the teams, you know, it, it means that it, it, it makes the racing a lot more even. It's kind of like having the restrictor in the intake. It just sort of acts as an equalizer between the team. Very cool. Well, let's the uh, driver's talent shine. And I think that's a, an important part of any kind of racing event. Let's shift gears and talk about a career aha moment. Now you've done a lot of cool different things. I mean, you've been a TV host, you've been a stunt driver, you've done these incredible things with hot wheels. I mean, oh my gosh. Uh, we'll talk about that, but you've raced cars, rally cross, I mean, open wheel, all these different things. Is is there one aha moment in your career as a driver that the headlights kind of came on and said, yeah, this is the path I need to go down that really stood out for you? Uh, again, not to be too boring, but it was on the business side of motorsport. I did have an aha moment, and it was when uh, I was doing rally racing, which is not that popular in the U.S. You know, it's racing through the forest. Yeah. Uh, doing some rally racing, and I had uh, I, I did some drifting and noticed as I was learning about the business of motorsports that motorsports 
marketing manager would be at some of these rallies and some races, and everybody was fighting over the budget from these uh, racing budgets. But when you went to drifting, they didn't consider it a motorsport at first. They considered it a lifestyle event. Oh. And so you had the marketing managers, the people that controlled, you know, where if motor, if marketing is a bucket of water, motorsports is one drop of that bucket. Oh, wow. So if you could tap into the whole marketing budget, then you're responsible for changing the perception of a company. And that's what drifting did is it, it let companies align with a lifestyle that that was one they wanted to have people perceive their company being involved with. Yeah. Rather than just winning on a, on a weekend and saying our car's faster than yours, it was about saying that our company is youth-oriented and edgy. And that's worth a lot more to a company than just a win in a race. Right. And so I really learned to appeal to the image of a company and to the perception of a company in everything that we did, um, whether it was content creation or, I mean, and this was the time when, when guys were just starting to need to produce videos to show their association with companies. And so for drifting, that was my learning experience for drifting was to appeal to the, the marketing department, not the racing department, in order to go do the fun things you wanted to do. Oh, I love this. I mean, so much of Cars Yeah is about the business side. Of course, it's mostly about the people, but the business side of motorsport, the automotive industry, and so forth. So that's a very interesting perspective. Uh, let's talk a little bit and have a little fun, I should say, about your first really special car. Now, this could be the first car that you actually purchased that you'd really long for. This could be the first really special race car you jumped in that you went, man, I'm finally here. This is cool. Tell us about that vehicle and a couple memories you have about it. Oh, gosh, that's a tough one. I've, I've been super fortunate in this, this arena. But I will say, uh, since we've already talked about the 912E, which is the, the obvious choice since I have that sitting in my house now. Yeah. I would say uh, driving the General Lee in the movie, Duke the Hazard, was a dream come true. Yeehaw! And while Reese Millen, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Reese Millen did most of the driving. I was lucky enough to do some reshoots, which is about the first 15 minutes of the movie. Uh-huh. Up until then, I was always the bad guy. But getting in there, put, okay, so I had to put on a fake, you know, scruff because I couldn't really grow facial hair <laughs> at the time, and I can't now. Actually. You're, you're just a young guy at um, heart. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, but getting in there and jumping the general lead to open the movie and slide around on gravel roads through, you know, an imaginary hazard county was epic. I mean, I, I grew up watching that. I grew up watching those rooster tails come out from behind that charger was just like, this is the, that's the ultimate. And so, yeah, I would say that that closed some loops for me. I'll bet. Oh, what fun. Oh, my gosh. You must have pinched yourself. How about a car that you've owned that you've let go? Is there any sellers or more story in your garage? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I'm not a huge car dealer. I'm not a big buyer and seller of cars, but yeah, I regret selling almost every one that I sold. It's one of those things. It's like, there's always a day where that would have been the perfect car to drive. Yeah. I guess one more recently was a, was a Jeep, a CJ seven that I had uh, bought. We used on top gear uh-huh. and I beat it up a little bit in top gear, but I uh, put it back together. It was having a great second lease on life and, then uh, then I sold it just for a space in the garage and driveway. And man, I miss that thing. I miss just having a car that you can just jump into, has no doors, and you just sort of head straight up whatever you want. Wow. I, you know, this is kind of fun for you to mention a car like that because most people would think, oh, well, some sports car, race car, something really fancy. But just to kind of get down, get dirty, just have fun vehicle. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Tells us a little bit about who you are. 
Well, let's talk about what's got you excited and fired up this year. What are some of the things you're working on that has you really excited right now? Uh, we've got um, some, a lot of cool projects going on. You know, we had a lot of, long off season, and we have a new series that I'm very excited about for Rallycross called ARX. Uh, we've just had our second race in Texas. Our third race is coming up soon. Well, I think it's actually unannounced, but it will be uh, it will, will be in Utah, I can say, in September, and associated with a very cool event. But I don't think it's official that we're going to be locked into that event yet. Then and then we'll be back in Texas uh, at the very end of September for our final round. And ARX is America's Rallycross, and it's a new series put on by IMG, the same guys that put on the European Rallycross, the World Rallycross in Europe. They just do it right, so we're having a great run at it. It's uh, this is our kind of inaugural season. I'm really stoked about that. Yeah. Uh, off of those races, I'm, I've been getting back into shooting some movies. We just finished a movie called The Art of Racing in the Rain. Ah, um, yes. Based on the book. I'm not sure if you remember when that book came out a few years ago. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. A story told through the eyes of a dog who was a huge race fan because yep. his owner left the TV on racing every day. Yep. So it's just, a, just an awesome story. And then the next movie, which... The first day of work on that movie is tomorrow, is a movie I believe is called Lamar 66, but it's the story of uh, Henry Ford and Enzo Ferrari having their epic battle in the 60s, Yeah, both in the courtroom, in the boardroom, and on the racetrack, and it's, um, yeah, it should be a very, very cool film to work on. Oh, you're having fun. Well, Garth Stein, who wrote The Art of Racing in the Rain, has been a guest here on the show. He lives up here in the Northwest. Where I live, I've had the pleasure of uh, meeting him and talking to him a couple times. And that movie, I mean, that thing has been in the works for like 10 years and are trying to get it made, I should say. Now it's finally being made. Of course, some great people that have been on the show here. Uh, Jeff Swart is working on that film and a couple other folks. I'm so excited to hear you got to work on it as well. It's the most recommended book by my guests here on Cars. Yeah. Um, old Enzo, the dog, of course, that... Uh, we get to hear the story through. Uh, it's going to be great. I can't wait for that movie to come out. And I'm really excited now that I know that you're driving in it. So very, very cool. You know, they did. Jeff did. Jeff was a second year director. He did amazing stuff, and they used actual race cars for it throughout most of the movie. None of these kind of fake, you know, replicas and yeah. everything. So it is. Uh, and with Patrick Dempsey involved, too, I believe bought the rights of the book way back when. Right. I mean, and being a racer himself, they really did it right. So I'm excited to see it come out. Oh, absolutely. I, I know all my followers just are talking about it all the time. So that'll be really cool. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Tanner. If you were a car, what kind of car would Tanner Faust be and why? Goodness, I really should have read these questions before I called. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, hopefully, I would be uh, a Porsche 911 Turbo. And the, the, the reason is, the reason I really like that car and things about that car is I, I think it's a, a really well-rounded car it's got a lot of different abilities to compete in different disciplines yeah um and that's the dry you know you can go to groceries you can go to church and you can go on the racetrack all with the same car and the thing that i work towards and always am trying to be and uh you know still have a long way to go but always learning to be is multi-faceted as in is a racer and being able to accomplish, uh, you know, some sort of competitiveness in multiple disciplines. Yeah, very nicely said. I like it. Well, you know, turbos have a place in my heart. My listeners know I have an 87 turbo in my garage. 
that uh, oh, I've had for about eight, eight, nine years now. Talk about old Porsches like your 912E, which, of course, the 912E, very unique car, only built one year. Uh, was that 76, I think? Is that what year that would be? Oh, you're so good. Mark. Yeah. Look at this. That's well, awesome. here, here's how I know that, Tanner. I'm a lot older than you. I, was, I graduated from high school <laughs> in 1976, and a friend of mine oh, whose family was rather well-heeled got one of those cars as a graduation present. I was so jealous. But, you know, um, that's why the 76 912E stands out, because I remember him getting that car, and I was thinking, man, that is pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, turbos are pretty cool. You're pretty cool. So I think that's that's a nice fit, Tanner, nice way to, to sum that up. Next up is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Tanner, we're back and we're entering the last lap. This is a position you've been in many times. The white flag is out. Time to put your foot really into it. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice or racing advice you've ever received? Uh, in slow out fast. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Will you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes on the track over the years? Uh, I think I never, never feel like you're as quick as you can be. Ah, okay. Stay humble. Humble on the track. I like it. Yeah. Always learning. Always learning. There you go. And how about a resource? There are awesome resources for all of us these days. Is there one resource that really stands out for you? Maybe it's a blog, a website, a supplier, an app, or even a person. Um, I, I mean, as I, I learn a lot of, from data, but to be honest with you, in-car cameras, I think, are one of the best 
resources are. They, you know, the generation of racers before us could not use them, and I don't know how they survived without them. Yeah. But um, looking at squiggly lines can only get you so far, but you can learn so much from in-car cameras about your own mistakes. Yeah. So watching yourself and comparing to others on in-car cameras is the way to go. Yeah. Thank goodness for GoPro. Holy cow. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry or racing, and this would be somebody living or deceased, who would that individual be? Good gosh. <laughs> That's such a tough question. I know. This isn't supposed to be easy, just like racing. <laughs> you know, I, I'm very thankful to have raced alongside two of my driving heroes. One of them was Rod Mellon. Mm, yeah. And I actually did a drift, tandem drift competition where we battled it out. And the other one who I would love to uh, sit down with and have a beer with is Colin McRae, who passed a while ago. Yeah. But he and I were teammates at X Games in 2006. Mm -hmm. And I also took him in my drift car on one of our off afternoons. And uh, what a great guy. So I'd love to hang with that guy again. Yeah. Colin was awesome. Wow. Huge loss for everybody. Well, how about a book? And we talked about Garstein's book, The Art of Racing in the Rain. That might be your answer to this question, but I asked all my guests it for one great book they've read that they'd like to share. What would it be for you? I really enjoyed The Art of Racing in the Rain just because it's a different perspective on motorsport. It's a perspective of a true fan. Yeah. Walks on four legs, really hairy, but <laughs> still uh, a true fan. And um, so for that reason, the fans really make the racing world go around. For, for that reason, I love that book. Yeah, I think so, too. And I remind my listeners, if you missed my show with Garstein, it's really worth a listen. You'll find it on the Cars Yeah website. Along with all these great ideas and suggestions that Tanner shared with us today, just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Tanner Faust, and his page will pop right up with all these cool links. All right, Tanner, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question could be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car, race car, whatever, drift car, doesn't matter what it is, to park in your garage and keep. But here are the rules. You can only have this one car. You have to keep it. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. But money is no object. That's the fun part. I'll cover everything, even the insurance. Doesn't matter. What can I buy you today? Well... (laughs) <laughs> Very nice of you, first of all. You're welcome. Um, I think I will take a uh, Carrera RS. Oh, okay. Like a, yeah. the 73, the holy grail of, of... I will take a 73, which is the year I was born. Okay. I'll take it in green, if that's okay. Viper green. Okay. Uh, I, I like that. Yeah. yeah which I, I think there were six made that year. <laughs> a few, uh, that yeah. Color. Yeah. Um, so it might be hard for you to find, but... I was lucky enough to work on some Porsche commercials with Zwart and drive a lot of Jerry Seinfeld's cars, oh, wow. including that one. And I, I got to drive the Steve McQueen uh, 917 and uh, oh. original 911R. And driving the lightweight, the lightweight 70s Porsches was an absolute treat to feel how uh, even just uh, engaging the clutch for the first time, the cars were just kind of lunge forward because they had so little inertia of their own. Yeah. It just made them so fun and so direct. Even with old 70s tires, they were an absolute blast. So 1973 Carrera Carrera RS in green, please. Lightweight, of course, right? It's got to be the lightweight version. Yeah, Yeah, which is going to cost like twice as much. So that's... uh... But no that, object. But that's okay. You know, I'm I'm happy to do that for you. I tell you, that car or maybe the same year RSR uh, might be my favorite when it comes to those old long hood cars. But uh, all right, I'll get to work. You know, getting Jerry Seinfeld to separate with any of his cars requires a very large check. <laughs> Money's no object for that guy. So 
I'll get to work. I'll give him a call, see what I can do. But I think he picked a car that is very near and dear to my heart, too. Ah, I love those old long hood Porsches. Tanner, you've taken me on a great ride around the track today. I knew you would. I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your racing success with the Cars Yow listeners and with me. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off down the coast highway in that lightweight Carrera RS in Viper Green, of course? Yes. Um, just be a student of driving. You know, driving is one of those sports that we all get to do. We don't, you know, dribble basketballs to work every day, but we do drive to work every day. Just uh, always be a student of it because you can always get better. And not only does that make you better on the track, it makes you safer getting to that job. Yeah. And pay attention to what you're doing, for goodness sake. Absolutely. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and follow along with your racing career? Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all uh, just Tanner Faust and uh, TannerFaust.com. Obviously, uh, social media world. So everything I do and every meal I have, there is a photo ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I love interacting with the fans through social media. So hopefully we'll see you guys there. Absolutely. Well, listeners, again, you can find all these links on the Cars yeah website. Just type Tanner. He's the only Tanner who's been here on Cars yeah, out of a thousand 101 people here on Cars Yeah. So uh, check him out. Follow what he's doing as if you already aren't. I mean, what a great guy. Tanner, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences. Best wishes on the next race coming up here. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You take care of your cars. But who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.